On today's episode, is the world ending? Will everything come to an end in 2019? Or maybe not. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Homes Real Estate Podcast. I'm Peter Toring. And I'm Chris Van Bell. And we're talking doom and gloom in 2019. Uh... Six months ago, it just seems like we were praying for more listings and alleviated buying pressure, and it's here, and now every realtor on the face of the earth and every buyer, it seems like, is has lost their minds. Oh, it's just a typical. Everybody jumps ahead of whatever they think is going to happen or what's actually happening. Um, but, I mean, in this business, it's just best to roll with the punches, you know? Yeah, well, and I think, too, so we, we've looked at every stat. The inventory, yes, the days on mark has gone up a little bit. But it's not gone up. A little bit. It's gone to 40-something days. We're basically in the same market that we were in in 2000 and late 2016. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we were in a leaning seller in the low end, leaning buyer in the high end. Yeah, and that's that's still where we're at. It's almost a dual market, and it still is. We're still seeing, uh, you know, I I sold a listing in one day the other day. We're still seeing, and we're still seeing some that... Are sitting on the market forever. Well, it depends too. Like, still look at your higher end homes. Their average on those it goes way, way, way up. Right. The the four hundred five. It was like that in two thousand fifteen too, though. I mean, this is nothing new. It's the world hasn't ended. No, and it's not going to. But I, you know, people like to use that whole shock factor to try mm-hmm. to use it as a marketing tool, which it's not. We're right. here to be experts. We're not here to instill fear or, or you know create some BS so people buy more homes. Right. And the you know the other thing too is if you're considering buying in 2019, you know, a lot of this fear might keep people from buying when really it's like one of the best times to buy that we've had. And interest rates are still pretty low and with that kind of pressure decreasing from where we were with 6 months ago with all the insane way over asking, no appraisal, no inspection stuff, we're not seeing a lot of that anymore. It's a, no, and the lenders are coming across, like, really cool stuff now. And there's different loan products coming out every day. I'm learning more and more what Mish is doing. They're getting more and more products. Yeah, the 15th. Yeah, 15 grand through Mishta, guys, right now, that you can get. 15 grand that if you stay in the house, was it five years? Yeah, and if not, I mean, there's still a 7,500 if that doesn't doesn't work. And I just found out yesterday, there's a conventional product product where they drop your interest rate by almost a half a point. That's actually pretty sweet. That's silly. So the one thing is, is this is some of the stuff that's making people wonder if we're heading towards 08 again, though, is some of these crazy loan products. What do you, I mean, what do you think? Is it, is it, because I'm, I was struggling this with this for a while. What do you think? Look, there's an opportunity for people to make money on a whole, whole bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. And when the investors uh, of the loan market find that there's different ways and different products and different needs, um, they come out with them because there's money to be made. Of course, you have Fannie and Freddie that basically, I mean, they're the big dogs that control everything. But, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on, and I, I just don't think it's it's going to really do anything bad to the market. You know, the subprime stuff that got us in trouble, the interest only, it's still out there. It's just people are smarter about it. They're more educated. I think I think that's the key. I think that when we look too much at well, we have these loan products and this is going on zero down. Yes, but number one, I think we do have a problem in student loans. I think that could be an issue, but 
I, I think we've had a culture shift. So people that are my age and your age, we saw during the crash, I, I kind of almost not grew up during the crash, but I was uh, had graduated high school at that time before it started. And we saw what happened to our parents. They bought these gigantic 4,000 square foot houses. They were way overreaching on what they could afford. And the minute that their income dropped, the world went to hell. Well, that was one of the big factors in the crash. You know, people were getting loans. They were... They wanted a $400,000 house, could only afford a $300,000 house, thought they had a way by doing this interest only. Well, I'm going to tell you a really big secret right now. If you can't afford a $400,000 house, you can't afford the $400,000 house. There's mm-hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts, or ways around it. And that's one of the things that we're not seeing is I'm not seeing people come to me and saying, hey, I need this you know, gigantic I mean, some people are, but mm-hmm. even the people that are buying the $400,000 houses, the vast majority of the time, they're approved for six hundred thousand. Yeah, you and, know, and that's awesome. You and I think a lot on working with our buyers and things of that nature. I feel a whole lot better, no matter what we do, if I get that buyer into something that you know is fifty thousand dollars less, twenty five thousand dollars less than what they were originally planning on spending. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel better because a lot of these clients, they do become our friends. They are people we talk to every day, and I don't ever want to hear. Yeah, I just I got in over my head on this house. I'm you know I'm house poor. I'm I'm broke. I'm making it by, but I mean that house payment's killing me. That's a that's a an awesome point, especially with the fact that I still talk to almost every one of my clients that I've ever had, except for the ones the ones that are out of state. I don't keep in touch with as much, um, but almost every client that I have that still lives here, I at least keep in touch with them, and I never want to hear that. I don't, and I think that puts the onus on us. When we know that we're still going to talk to our clients in five years, we don't want to put them in a bad situation. Any bad situation. Right. Even if there's, say there's questionable things going on with, say, a foundation of a house, but somebody's madly in love with it and they want to mm-hmm. get it. If we see something, the inspector sees something, it's worth a, worth it for us to spend the extra couple of days, find another better house that's going to last longer and fulfill the needs of mm-hmm. our client. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I actually just have had this happen where – it's happened one time where I'm not going to name anything where they did have issues with the house afterwards. And, and I, you know, it's actually ongoing trying to figure out what the best solutions are for. But I, I tell people lifetime tech support, man, I'm like we, you know, we're, we're here to, to, to help support you with whatever your needs are at any time. Well, that's a big thing and a value that we do try to offer. It's, you know, we're not here just for the process of home buying and selling. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, do you know an insurance agent? Do you know a contractor that can do X, Y, and Z, whether it's a, a roof or a foundation guy, uh, somebody to pump concrete up, you know? Yes. Right. That's and, what we're here for. And the reason we're thinking about this, too, is I send out market evaluations for everybody and all my past clients saying, hey, here's what's going on in your neighborhood, uh, and which has led me. No prices are falling off cliffs in anybody's neighborhoods. Are they slowing down a little bit? Yeah, but they're slow, but they're still going up. They're yeah. still in an upward margin. People are still getting approximately ninety-eight percent of what they're asking for on most most houses in most areas. Right, and also, I you know I've heard some things too, like oh well, Peter Schiff says that the next you know economic, you know, economic collapse is going to be way worse than wait and this this, and I've heard. But I've also heard that these are a lot of the same guys have been saying this for five, six, seven, eight, nine years. Basically, they've been saying it. They're always saying doom and gloom. Well, you yeah, know. it was supposed to get even worse when we were in the bad times. It was supposed to keep going down right. and continually going down, even when it got better. Right. Uh, and the the thing to, I think, look at here is, uh, number one, is 
I mean, it is, is a recession coming? Yeah, probably. It's it's inevitable. I mean, it's but again, recession doesn't mean home crisis. We had a this like huge collection of factors last time that all jumbled together to create this huge problem. Just because economic growth slows a little bit doesn't necessarily mean that home prices and statistically speaking, during recessions, home prices haven't dropped a bunch. Well, and things do have to adjust, but if you talk about eco- economic growth in general, the economy is doing fantastic, better mm-hmm. than I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, and it's certain to, you know, we're seeing some things slow down a little bit, but again, that's going to happen, and then it'll rebound, and then it'll slow down. I mean, these things that we've been seeing this throughout history, but on a general trend, things trend up. Uh, and this this leads me kind of to another another thought here, is, you know, even if let's say this, let's say houses house, house prices didn't go up, and, and which just to look at this by the way, houses were appreciating at like twelve to fifteen percent year over year. Okay, so if they're only appreciating three percent, doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means that we can't appreciate housing at twelve percent for the rest of That's forever. Not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Um, so even if we're growing at three percent, that's fine. Where we are right now, this is fine. We don't even have. It's not like we're even in a balanced market yet. We've only got three uh, three months of inventory, less than three months of inventory. Maybe. You know, uh, and, and even if house prices do go down a little bit, the Fed has said that they're raising interest rates. It's still more affordable to buy now. Well, the Fed are trying to calm it down a little bit because they have been going up um, a little more than, than we were thinking. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I think I think in this, but this then the markets five, dipped five, a little five, bit, and then the rates slipped a little bit, and that's how it's going to adjust. You mm-hmm. know, it has to be a, a good fair rate for all parties. Um, not like the Feds ever care, but um, that's what we're looking at right now. Um, still a great rate. Yeah, and I saw this too. It's like ninety-four out of the hundred leading real estate economists think that we're either going to stay on some sort of growth pattern, probably between two and 4%, or that we're going to be stable. That's pretty, I mean, those are a lot of guys that predicted the last crash too. Yeah. And so I, I think stability is where we're headed for. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be on that cusp of buyer's market, seller's market for a while, but I don't see it really shifting vastly one way or the other just by what we're seeing day to day. Right. Well, and then the other question is, okay, so how does this run into what are we doing if, as far as our clients, um, if again, if you're thinking about buying a home, does it really matter if the, if the, if we're going to be in a recession or not? It does in the fact of, hey, you know, are, is your job going to be stable? Those things do matter. But whether you whether you lose your job or not, you still have to have a house. You still have to have somewhere to live. And you still have real property. It's a great investment for you. It's a great place. Um, to have equity for emergency funds if ever needed or or whatever. I mean, a home, a house, real property, it's always a great way to go. Right. And the other thing, too, is we we didn't see, we haven't seen rent prices go down. They're still going up. We've seen rent inventory is not going up. And also, too, even during, like, even during the major crash in 08, rents went down, what, like an average of 12%. It wasn't that rents, the vast majority of people, if they were in a stable loan, they would, they're better off just staying in their house. Well, yeah, but just just as quick as the rents crashed and a lot of the people lost their homes, mm-hmm. well, these same people were making decent money. They just had lost their home and couldn't get credit to buy a new house. Yeah. So they had the money to rent. Therefore, those prices just shot through the roof right away. And that's why I think here in this, in the in the economy that we're now in, in the housing market we're in now, 
it's been a culture shift. It's not this, hey, I'm buying, you know, stuff I can't afford. It's, I don't want to be house poor. It's, uh, you know, I want a something that's more manageable, more manageable payment. You know, I'm not spending the whole, we've seen it in uh, even stupid stuff like landscaping. Mm-hmm. It's all low maintenance. Nobody wants us to be spending, you know, our parents' generation wanted to spend Saturday working in the garden and our generation wants to spend it out. Doing Make whatever. sure you have the plans for this time of year. Your bulbs right. are coming up in the spring, and and then we'll we'll put some annuals in. And it's like, oh Lord have mercy, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to live on a freaking farm where I don't have to take care of anything. Well, and I like to. I mean, I like to keep my lawn nice. It's there's nothing wrong with that. And I, uh, um, but also, you know, I, I like to enjoy my weekends too. And I think we're seeing that with a lot with a lot of buyers, but. Uh, the a couple of kind of the key things too that we were looking at here. There are some, like we said, there's some economic indicators that hey maybe some things are going to slow down. There's also some that well maybe things are going to keep going. I'd, I'd also be interested to see number one. Most Americans are going to have more money in their tax refund this year, and I'd, I'd be interested to see in how that's going to affect home buying. This spring and summer. Well, it depends which direction most people are going to go. Um, today, more people are into the, the travel and going out, spending money, going out mm-hmm. to eat all the time. But there are some that, you know, hey, this is, this is a good chunk of money. Maybe we'll look at buying versus renting or or looking at getting into a quote-unquote forever home or upgrade, downgrade, whatever people are looking at. Yeah, I think at. they said the average American's going to be between twelve and $2,500. I mean, that's if you're just kind of on the edge on a on a down payment. That might be something to look at. And again, with the programs that are out there, there's a lot of zero down, 3% down. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, $15,000 through mischief if you want to live in certain zip codes. Right. That's freaking insane. One, one other thing, too, that I wanted to bring up, because uh, one of the arguments I heard, especially here, we were kind of the, the arbiter of the last crash, the, you know, the Detroit auto crisis. This is, well, look at what GM's doing. They're laying off a bunch of workers. Well, I have my own thought. What is your thought about this? Because I have a, a thought. Well, we, can we say this on the podcast? Because, I mean, this is a bunch of nonsense to me. Yeah, from what I understand, the contracts are coming up, too, and it's a bargaining chip. But. Um, See, I don't think that. What I do think, though, is. Uh, so, GM is looking. And I was talking to some of my auto buddies about this. Uh, in the. Uh, Profitability of these, if I remember correctly, and I, I I might not be quoting this correctly, but I believe some of the cafe regulations were eased on average uh, fleet mile per gallon or miles per gallon. And so once those are eased, well, you're looking at a profitability of like, I think they're making this at like three or four hundred bucks on a new cruise. And they're making on average between eight and twelve thousand profit on a pickup. Well, um, Yeah. You see, you know, so this is, and not to mention too, that every automaker is doing this. And they Ford did it last year before any talk of any economic slowdown. They eliminated their entire sedan lineup. Well, yeah, and everybody's in business to make money. Right. Very, very true. And I'm sure there's something going to happen with those plants to, to make them do what they're supposed to do. Ford's putting a new plant over here instead of right. putting it in Mexico. Right. Um I don't know. I just feel like GM's playing games. I don't have anything to validate it or anything to yeah, justify it's, we're, it. We're completely spitballing. My personal thought is they're going to announce at the last uh, winter auto show maybe some new SUV models. I know that they're introducing a new Cadillac SUV. Mm-hmm. 
and that those are going to be made here and that they're going to transition plants that were making, you know, sedans into making new SUVs. Well, nobody sense. wants these little tiny plug-in-the-wall cars. I mean, there is a group of people that love to buy these, I don't know, smart uh, Let's cars, separate that, cars, though. The, I think but... that let's separate the, between the small cars and the electric cars. I think there are going to be people that want to go electric, and I think that's another thing that they might come well, out and say, we're, we're as, retooling for electric. No, it's not the same as the way people want to buy the big SUVs, the bigger trucks. Mm-hmm. People don't care, and those things are so efficient on everything now. They're not even trucks of the Which, days of the way, old. People are buying Teslas because they're cool and because they're actually they're cool cars, not because they're electric. Tesla. Right. It's because they're cool, not because they're electric. Tesla could be not electric, and people would still buy them because they're a sweet car. Right. You know, And so. allegedly, that one of their new ones could... Could pull a house, and I want to see you know exactly. whatever this vehicle can do that it's got that much power. Uh, but all of this, as as far as how is it tied to the housing market, what I don't think we're going to see is I don't think that we're going to see these jobs go away. I think that we're going to see these jobs be recycled into other jobs. I think they'll shift, but that's my opinion. And exactly. I, but you know, it it's not a good news story to say, hey, these people are going to shift. The news story is, oh my gosh, all these people are going to lose their jobs. These plants are closing. They don't want to stay here. There's your news story, but. Sensationalism wins headlines. And it's the same thing here. I just saw, uh, it was, uh, I forget what, it's Detroit News or something. You know, signs of economic crash abound. And when you looked in there, it was, oh, well, you know, unemployment is at this and this. And like, Wait a minute. We're, we're technically under full employment numbers. We're at, what, three, three and a half percent unemployment. Well, full employment is four percent. We're over full employment. Yeah, well, well, we're at a point where there's more jobs than people that want to take them. Right. Which is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why you wouldn't want to take a job if one's offered to you, but that's um, another so, story for another day. Yeah, so the I don't know that just because, yes, the stock market has been down in the last couple of months. Yes, it's eliminated 2018's growth, but also it had grown a lot in 2017. It was ridiculous. You know, we had 4, 4% GDP for a couple of quarters. So I think the key, too, here is... Just because we're now going at 60 miles an hour, it's part of it is because we were going at 120. You know, and, and just because now we've slowed down to 60 doesn't mean that that's not a good speed for us, and it doesn't mean that we're going to have to hit the brakes and go down to zero. No, I don't see that happening anytime soon. So I think that if you are – I know we've, we've gone kind of off topic on this podcast. We bit, never do that, Peter. But <laughs> – uh, it's it is all relevant to those of us who live here in the Metro Detroit area. At least I think this is something that I have probably spent thirty hours in the past two weeks thinking about. You know, it, this is what keeps me but up at night. We hear guys. it all the time. No matter where we go, no matter who we talk to. Oh, you think the economy's gonna slow down? Do you think housing market's gonna shift? Is it gonna slow down? Is this? Is that? Is that? I don't have a crystal ball. You don't either. And here's the thing too. We are we pride ourselves on being, and the reason that we spent so much time thinking about this, and you might say, well, what does this have to do with, you know, you know what does uh, GDP have to do with buying houses, and what are the economic factors in the stock market have to do with buying houses? Why aren't you more focused on selling houses? These things are, we pride ourselves on being local market experts, and all these things affect the market. We want to know when you come to us and say, hey, how's the market? I want to be able to tell you, no, I don't think that things are, you know, that the world's going to end. And here's why. Here's all the stats. And I've actually looked through, there are like seven or eight metrics that all show, even in recessions, that the housing market is not necessarily affected. We were affected. There's always a reason for somebody to buy or sell a house. There's exactly. always going to be somebody dying, having babies, getting married, getting divorced. Um there's always a reason for somebody to need to buy or sell. And even if houses, house prices go down a little bit, number one, it's good for first-time home buyers. And if you sell for a little bit less, you're going to be buying for a little bit less. 
you know, when you're when you're selling and buying, these things, they tend to balance each other out. So I'm not real worried about that. But yeah, all these metrics that, that show, yeah, listen, the we, we tend to view recession and housing crisis together. We had to ha- just happen to have them at the same time in 08. I don't see that's going on right now. Now, is, are we might have a student loan bubble? Maybe. You know, well, yeah, that that's happen. a whole different topic. You and I would probably go yeah. back and forth on that for an hour and a half. Right. But is it going to affect housing? I don't I don't think so. I, no, again, because I there's think... more programs coming out that are student loan debt friendly. Mm-hmm. There are formulas in place for if you have student loans and you're paying them and able to, where you can still get a house and have student loans. Now, if you have $500,000 in student loan debt from your master's in underwater basket weaving that's never going to pay that back, there might be a problem. But honestly, I have not seen, the vast majority of what I've seen with student loans is they are a lot of people have a lot of student loans, but they are, they're working, they're in productive careers. And that's, again, where we go back to, if you look at the last podcast on home ownership and retirement, having that home, that stability, that, you know, not the volatility of renting, or is rent going to go up? Do I have to move? That costs money. Uh, it puts you on a track. I think even with, for someone with student loans, I still think it's a better option. And I think it allows you to, you know, that stability is going to allow you to pay down those student loans. So if you're, the, our whole basis of this is, is our, our whole conclusion is if you're thinking about buying or selling your house in 2019, I would not be, you know, we've been you know, sailing very, very, very calm seas if you're a seller for the last two years. But it's been rough being a buyer, and we forget that. We forget that this was almost a crisis for a lot of people who desperately wanted to buy a home who couldn't buy one. Well, you were putting people in, not us personally, but it, they were put in a really tough position. Mm-hmm. Every house they saw, if you like it, you have to offer right away. as often multiple offers. You're offering over. I think we said either in this podcast or another one, getting rid of inspections, appraisal guarantees, all this other nonsense that's like the checks and balances of our business. Yeah. Um, people were eliminating them, and it was like a true beyond seller's market. Right. And so, yes, just because things were moving very fast, people thought that was a good real estate market. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a good real estate market. That's a really bad real estate market for buyers. That's really bad, and it could put you in a bad situation, especially missing out on inspections and appraisals. And and just a little thing that popped in my head while we're talking for our buyers, don't let the fact that a house has been on the market 100, 120, 150 days give you any kind of comfort that you have time to think about it or time to to really analyze what you want to offer. Even though we're saying you you have a little more leverage today, um, don't let that be a little comfort zone for you because that house that's been on 150 days, it could sell tomorrow. Yeah, that's we're, the case. we're seeing that happen too. So um, make educated decisions, still make them fast, but right. And um, but also don't be afraid if a house has been on the market for 150 days. It's on the house for 150 days because it's overpriced. Yeah. Don't be afraid to if it was it used to you know six months ago it was because the house was terrible. <laughs> even over, even overpriced houses were yeah, terrible. Yeah, offers, nice, Peter. You know, terrible. But now. Don't be afraid to offer under if you know if if, if it's a house that's been on the market a long Ask time. Ask for concessions. Yeah, and that's this is we're coming into what I, I think 2019 and chief economist uh, Lawrence Yoon from NAR agrees with me. Thinks we're basically going to see the same amount of real estate transactions that we did in 2016. So this is going to be a similar market. It was a nice, you know, a slightly balanced towards sellers for low uh, low prices. Balance, uh, you know, buyers market in uh, the higher end. Well, that's hey, okay. if somebody puts that perfect Macomb, Macomb Township ranch on the market for like $220,000, yeah, 
you're going to see some crazy stuff and you're still going to have those same issues we mm-hmm. had. But if you have, you know, something that's been sitting a little overpriced or whatever, it's going to take a little more time. Yep, absolutely. And again, so now is not time to panic. Don't be running around with a chicken with your head cut off. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of realtors that are peddling the panic. <laughs> so, again, relax if you are going to be buying in 2019. Sit down with us. Let's talk about your individual situation. And we'd love to talk to you. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash home Macomb. Chris at Chris Van Bell Realtor. Myself on Instagram and Snapchat, Peter underscore touring. I'm also on the Twitter machine, as the kids say, as well. <laughs> and uh, we now have the Homes Real Estate Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, also follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and any other place you might find your podcasts. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.